Aloha, thank you for pressing play. Welcome to the Eating Curve Balls for Breakfast podcast. I'm your host, Stacey Mahoy, and your biggest fan when it comes to hitting those curveballs that life, sports, or parenting can throw you right out of the park. Thank you so much for listening. Enjoy the show. So recently, this concept came up about holding kids accountable and how as coaches and leaders, we need to set high standards and hold kids accountable. Which is interesting to me because normally, and maybe it's just because of I'm seeing it from a different angle than what is intended, I'm not sure. But normally when I hear people say things like that, and normally when I see it executed, what it often looks like is I'm the leader, I tell you what to do, and I hold you accountable, make sure you do it. And the reason it's problematic for me is because it often looks like, or when it's in practice, it looks like coaches and parents constantly getting on players to do what they're supposed to do to make good choices and so on and so forth. And it's interesting to me how people who are in favor of not coddling children are also in favor of constantly getting on them because... If the only reason these student athletes are making good choices and doing what they're supposed to do is because of the external pressures that we're putting on them, because of the force that we're applying via whatever method we're applying it so that they do what they're supposed to do, when do they ever get to learn how to develop that within themselves? If we're constantly using external pressure versus inspiring them from within, how does that ever get developed, right? One of these days, they're not going to have mom and dad constantly checking on them, making sure that they're doing everything that they're supposed to do, that they're making good choices. One of these days, they're not going to have a coach or a boss that's constantly looking at, are you doing what you're supposed to be doing, applying the pressure in every little thing to make sure that it's all going well. One of these days, they're going to have to stand on their own two feet. And yet we constantly take away those opportunities by, quote unquote, holding them accountable over every little thing. At some point, we're going to have to allow them to practice making these good decisions on their own. And if we never allow them to do that, how do they develop that skill? And yes, at first, they're going to make more mistakes than would have happened if you had made sure that didn't happen, but made sure that you held them accountable for coming on time, for example, or whatever the case may be, right? It's going to look messier in the beginning. But if we're not inspiring them from the inside out and they have no reason to, they don't understand the value of making these good choices, then I think that the accountability should be on the leaders. When I hear we need to hold kids accountable, my knee-jerk reaction is no. We need to do a better job inspiring them to be their very best. Because when they are inspired to just dive in and, and give everything they got, they're already going above and beyond anything we could have ever wanted to ask them to do. They're already going above and beyond any expectation we could have ever set for them. At that point, there's no quote-unquote accountability needed. They're already doing that and then some. So to me, it's like we don't need to hold the kids accountable. We need to hold the leaders accountable for creating that kind of environment for the kids so that they can thrive. And then there's not, we don't have to do the babysitting because they're already doing it. 
And some people will use the argument that, well, when they get to college, their coach is going to be on their butt. They better get used to it. When they have a boss, that boss is going to be on their butt. They better get used to it. You know what? In my experience, coaches at higher levels and bosses at higher levels, they really appreciate a person who can stand on their own two feet and doesn't need them to continuously babysit them to make sure they're hitting marks, to make sure they're doing things on time, to make sure they're making good choices, to make sure they're executing. If they don't need to hold your hand, they love it, right? They don't want to have to, even when they are that type of leader, it's wonderful for them to have someone under their leadership that they're not constantly having to babysit. Those people stand out like nothing else. I mean, like you're going to stand out if you're able to stand on your own two feet and you don't need someone constantly telling you what to do, when to do it, how to do it, and then making sure that you're doing it. If you, if you can do that for yourself and you can hold yourself to that high standard, we talk about setting a high standard and yet we don't have a high enough standard to ask them to do it without us pushing them. It's like, that's really, in my book, that's not even a high standard. It's not a high standard if I go, I expect you to do this and then I'm going to make sure you do it. And that's me holding a high standard for you. No, me, I'm all about intentions more than like expectations. I have this high standard and I believe in your ability to get there without me pushing you, without me babysitting you, without me applying external pressure to your experience. I have belief in you and we're going to figure this out together on how to get you in the right frame of mind, how to figure out what's most important to you and communicate with you in a way that makes sense to you so that you have your own reason to get to that bar and beyond. Not my reason because I said so or because I'm making you. I have high standards and I believe that you can get there because you decided to, because you wanted to, not because I made you. So it's super interesting for me to see coaches talking about or people, whoever, talking about, oh, we need to set high expectations or we need to set high standards and we need to hold them accountable and we need to, you know, all these things. And it's like, I actually think that that approach of constantly getting on them is not doing those things, is not doing exactly what they're saying needs to be done and is another version of coddling because you're taking control of the situation and you're handling it for them just on the opposite end of the spectrum so anyway I think that we underestimate what kids are capable of while also underestimating the level of support we can give them to nurture and encourage and support to nurture and grow and inspire them from the inside out like we take away the nurturing part and then our actions the way that we treat them when we're constantly getting on them like we're not nurturing we're not inspiring from the inside out and we don't have belief that they can do it because otherwise why would we be stepping in if we believe that they could do it we wouldn't be stepping in all the time to make them do it we would look at if they, if they didn't, right? When, they, when we see a struggle, when we see them not being the best that they can be, absolutely you address it. 
but not by just barking at them. Look, I told you to do this. You should have done that. Why didn't you do it? Do it better the next time. Not just by that. If that's the only process that we use with them when we see them failing or we see them struggling or we see them making poor choices or we see them making mistakes, guess what happens within them as far as their self-talk or how they learn to deal with these situations when they make mistakes, when they see that they're not being the the best that they can be what are they going to do to themselves oh i know i should be doing this but i'm not doing it i'm going to beat myself up and then i'm going to tell myself bark at myself to do better like that is not the kind of self-talk that we would want them to have and yet that's what we're doing to them and then we're wondering why they don't know how to respond to their own mistakes better so we can do so much better than that and if we look at a student or an athlete or a person a human being who is struggling And we genuinely want to know, hey, what's going on with you? I noticed this and this and this. I know that, you know, this is not normal for you. I know that you can do better than this. So what's going on that you're not there? And how can I help you? And then we start to problem solve with them. And then we start to put a plan of like, okay, what are the best? What are the next best steps for you? How can we rectify this? How can we move forward in a positive direction? That's very, very different from you are supposed to do this. Why didn't you do it? I told you a million times, you better do it better the next time. Like that's barely even leadership or teaching in my opinion. Like we we can do <laughs> we can do so much more than that. So it's just really it's really interesting how these concepts all tend to come up in similar ways in many discussions and so many people are just completely missing the point or missing the bigger picture and I get it because I was there too like this is the mentality that I used to have it's the same method that I used to do what I'm explaining to you as far as what I think is not a high level of leadership is what I used to do with my parent with my parenting and even in coaching like hey this is what you're supposed to do I told you how to do it you're not doing it make an adjustment like that would almost oh I mean sometimes there's more explanation like right like what's going on this and that but generally speaking that's what I see when I see people talk about like holding kids accountable is basically meaning calling them out on their mistakes and telling them they got to do better next time and getting on them and pushing them and pressuring them into it versus actually mentoring and guiding them and nurturing them and getting to the root of the issue so that it's not continuing to happen over and over and over again right it's like most of our approach is like going into a room with a running faucet seeing a big mess and just going like, I'm going to attack the mess, right? The mess being like the behavior that we're seeing with the kid. I'm going to attack that behavior. That's the, the behavior is terrible. I'm going to knock that out. It's like seeing the flood in the bathroom be like attacking the flood. Going after, getting sponges, getting paper towels, getting towels, soaking everything up, mops, whatever you, whatever you have. But then it keeps happening. So what do you do? You bring more, right? When a kid's still messing up, what do you do? You get harder on them. You yell more. You push them more. You, get, you just do more and more and more but we've never turned off the damn faucet. It would be so much easier if we didn't even do all that stuff, turn the faucet off, and then let's take the next steps to clean up the mess that was made, right? But like we are only addressing the surface half the time. We see something happening that's not supposed to be happening. We address only the surface. We're not not looking at what's going on underneath that, what's causing that to begin with. So often we're just doing surface level stuff and we're not getting deep. And if we took the time to get deep, we wouldn't have the surface stuff to deal with. Or it would resolve on its own because you already healed the root. 
so yeah <laughs> a little bit of a rant but like this is stuff that comes up so often and I've been hanging out in circles and groups and mentorship programs in which this is not the kind of conversation that is you know normally going on so when I step back into bigger and broader more general groups and this stuff comes back up it's like it just kind of gets under my skin and uh, <laughs> and I know that I have to I don't know probably find better ways to express it and communicate it but it's just like it's such a contrast when you surround yourself with people who just think differently than that and that are very much into inspiring from the inside out and to nurturing the best of you know people and to focusing on what's working and so on and so forth yes setting high intention but also coupling that with a lot of grace understanding patience and just faith and trust in the process and continuing to just work with them and meet meeting people where they're at without judgment and just working with them from there like so often we're like oh but this expectation that expectation they're not meeting it instead of just meeting them where they're at and then working with them we're like pounding on them because you should be here and you're not here like we're focusing on the gap we're focusing on the problem instead of simply getting in there meeting them where they're at and taking them to the solution so and this is something I admittedly I will admit that I'm still working on I'm still getting better at because it's not the knee-jerk thing like this is not the method through which I got to experience a lot you know a lot of things there are some mentors and some coaches that did a really good job of it um, some bosses, my bosses have been absolutely amazing, actually. I've had really, really good employers. And so when people say, like, well, when you're, you know, when you get out into the real world and you get a job, it's not like that. And I'm like, what do you, it's been like that for me. <laughs> like, and maybe I'm really lucky to have found three really good jobs um, that were really awesome that I got to stay with for longer periods of time. And then I just started doing my own thing. But I know for a fact that these awesome, positive, positively in, um, focused, inspirational, nurturing environments exist in the workplace. And you don't have to just sit there and take it. You don't have to look at the situation like, well, this is the only choice I have. Obviously, I need to feed my family. I'm not saying that you don't. I'm not saying that you don't have that responsibility. I'm not saying that that's not a factor. Of course it is. I'm not saying that you leave at the drop of a hat. But there are always more possibilities than what we see, generally speaking. There are always other options. Well, okay, maybe not always. Generally speaking, almost you know, 99.9% .9 of the time, there are other options. But you're not going to see them if you don't look for them. And you're not going to look for them if you've been trained to think that this is just how it is. You just have to suck it up. Tough cookies, you know. That's just how it is. You just got to take it. So I don't believe in teaching that to kids. And I don't believe in teaching them that the right, that great leaders are the ones that are babysitting you. Because the babysitters are actually, I think, hindering your development. Is it easier and faster to do that and babysit and make sure that everything gets done so that you don't have to make corrections? It might be. But if you take the time in the beginning to actually train and guide and help them develop skills so that you're not having to constantly babysit, it might be a slightly longer 
process in the beginning, but it pays off long term. And I don't believe the babysitting method of holding people accountable is actually the most effective way to nurture development, if that makes sense. Um, this is completely unscripted, so hopefully I didn't go around in too many circles and lose you. <laughs> I may have, I don't know. It's okay, you can listen back again. But this is just like an outpouring of things that have been in my brain and just like dumping it into this audio. So excuse it. Excuse me if it's not super structured and organized and, you know, like audio bullet points and, and this and that. But um, I think there's still a lot of interesting concepts to at least consider and think about and if you've never experienced other types of leadership where it's more than just I tell you what to do if you don't do it then I call you out and then I bark at you to do better than that then it might be hard it might be a difficult concept to kind of like wrap your brain around and understand well how do I apply this with the team how do I apply this with my own kids how do I apply apply this in different areas where I'm in a leadership position but it's definitely possible and I've definitely seen people do it and um, it is incredible to be led by someone who is skilled at doing this so I mean people talk about like how they've got teams where athletes are just put everything they have on the line and pour everything they have into what they do and like run through walls for their teammates and their coach like these people have you know have that connection and have built that relationship and have fostered cooperation have fostered teamwork have fostered connection and um generally you'll probably find elements of building people up that's not to say that some programs and some organizations don't still use breakdown tactics or forceful pushing tactics, but I've seen it done without that, and I believe that's possible. And um, I, for one, am fascinated by it and aspire to be somebody that can do that with excellence because it's just such a beautiful way to be led um, in my experience. So. Um, it just it's, it bothers me <laughs> when people act like it's not possible or insist that it can't be that way because I've seen it that way and it's an amazing and I know it's possible so I just feel like not so much like it's not about like telling people they're wrong it's just like hey look there might be some other possibilities and bringing other options to light so that people can make more informed decisions anyway i've got to run thanks so much for listening hope you're having a fabulous week and um have a great weekend talk to you later bye-bye